Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Catholic Light. Thanks for joining me. Sorry for the delay on last week's episode. Uh, for those of you who listen, uh, a number of you listen right when the episode comes out early Monday morning, and you might have noticed it didn't come out till till Monday evening. Um, I had the joy of flying up to Toronto for a childhood friend's wedding, and um, so I flew up Saturday. The wedding was Saturday evening, and then I was slated to fly back uh, Sunday afternoon, and um, the weather in New York, I was supposed to fly into New York, the weather was apparently terrible, and so we departed a little bit late. Uh, We departed Toronto, and then uh, we got to New York. They said the weather, the pilot came on and said the weather's not good, so we're going to circle the airport for a little bit. We circled the airport for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, and then the pilot got on and said, uh, the weather continues to be bad, so we're flying you back to Toronto, <laughs> and you could hear the whole plane just like groan, no, oh, my connecting flight, my this, my that. So we flew back to Toronto to a lovely little airport uh, with a great lounge. And um, we got back in maybe around 3, and the, the service desk said, you know, we'll let you know around 4 o'clock what the plan is. At 4 o'clock, they came on and said, we'll let you know at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, they came on and said, we'll let you know at 6 o'clock. A little before 6 p.m., the announcement came that our flights had been canceled. This was Sunday night, and they would be rebooking for Tuesday morning. Now, um, I had flown up solo, and Dan was staying with our children, and Dan, having some sort of premonition or Holy Spirit intuition, uh, when I was booking the flight a couple months prior, had said, Dan was actually starting a new job on Monday, and uh, he said, what are the chances that you don't make it back from Toronto because I'm starting this new job early Monday morning, you know, I'll have the kids, do we have a plan B? I was like, don't worry, babe, it's going to be fine. I'm not the most punctual person in the world, so I'm, um, maybe once or twice have showed up to an airport like minutes before my flight's departing. I was like, don't worry, like I'll make sure there's plenty of time, I'll get on the flight, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I called him, I was like, oh, babe, your premonition was was spot on. Your fears came true. So thank God we have a number of wonderful family and friends in the area. My my in-laws took two of the kids. My dad took the other two. And so we had child care set up. Dan was able to start his job on time. Um, but in the meantime, I was like, how am I going to get home? I'm not going to stay here till Tuesday. So as we were waiting in the airport throughout the afternoon, um, I started recognizing other wedding guests who I had, whom I had met at the wedding reception and so we're we're kind of finding each other around the airport lounge hey oh my gosh can you believe this happened you know da, da, da. we have lunch together we're having a couple of drinks then we start kind of uh gathering people who were on the same flight as us hey you know this, the gentleman seated beside me on the plane was um this really really great personality had a great personality so he joins us for lunch and you know another um kind of random friend joins us so once they announce that we are not getting out of there till Tuesday, we all hop on our phones and start looking for, for trains and buses and other flights we could potentially take. So another woman, my new friend and travel buddy Iris and I, decide to take a bus from Toronto that evening at 9.30 through the night to New York City. Um, it arrived, I don't know, like 7.30 in the morning. Um, and then I was able to 
to hop on New Jersey Transit and get back back home. So uh, thank God for fellow travelers for you know this this other young woman and I sat next to each other on the bus and um, uh, I had ridden a Greyhound bus years ago when I was at Steubenville from Steubenville to Philadelphia and I had arrived at like 1.30 in the morning. It was a little a little shady. My dad picked me up at the bus depot. So this was not the case on this trip. Um, it was, you know, clean accommodations. Everyone was very nice and I was smooth sailing. So anyway, uh, I arrived back home like late morning on Monday and uh, caught the kids, collected all my kids and, uh, you know, went to edit. I'd already recorded the episode, but edited and posted it. So that's a long way of saying thanks for your patience for those of you who listen first thing Monday morning. And, and that's why the the episode was a little a little delayed. So please uh, pray for my friend Anne and her now husband Edwin for their their marriage and and life moving forward together. And uh, God bless them and and God bless you for for being on this journey with me. Today we hit the part of the catechism which talks about authority and the common good. So the the title of this this article in the catechism is Participation in Social Life, and it goes through authority, the common good, and then responsibility and participation. And I think today when uh, when it comes to authority or we hear the word authority, many of us are like, um, excuse me, like, you know, don't tell me what to do, or I'm fine manning my own ship, fingering out my own life. But as we read through and maybe think about and discuss authority, uh, it makes sense from a, a practical level. Authority, the concept of authority accords with the natural law, with our human experience. Why? Because we as human beings come from God. So all that we are and have comes from the Lord, who is the supreme authority. And so in our kind of human experience, um, it resonates with with our humanity. And uh, when when authority is handled properly at the human level, it, it's really a gift in that we, um, God, we, the God whom we can't see is working through people whom we can see. So we'll we'll talk about how authority should accord with right reason and uh, care for every human being, his or his and her uh, dignity, uh, personal dignity, individual dignity, and care for the group as a whole. So let's start with paragraph nineteen hundred. Uh, 1900 cites this this really beautiful prayer from uh, Pope St. Clement of Rome. It says, Pope St. Clement of Rome provides the church's most ancient prayer for political authorities. Grant to them, Lord, health, peace, concord, and stability, so that they may exercise without offense the sovereignty that you have given them. Master, heavenly king of the ages, you give glory, honor, and power over the things of earth to the sons of men. Direct, Lord, their counsel, following what is pleasing and acceptable in your sight, so that by exercising with devotion and in peace and gentleness the power that you have given to them, they may find favor with you. So again, that's St. Clement of Rome. This prayer highlights um, a couple of great things. So first, grant to them, Lord, health, peace, da 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 so that they may exercise without offense the sovereignty that you have given them. Okay, so so ultimately God is in charge. Um, as the scriptures say, the rain falls on the, the just and the unjust, but it's God who is at work in and through all these things. And um, we would not have authority. Others would not have authority. Did God not permit it? 
So we can make that distinction between God's perfect will and God's uh, permissive will. So some people, God perfectly wills to be an authority. Some, because God respects each of our free wills and respects our, our voting decisions, um, some people are placed in authority as a part of God's permissive will. So perhaps those whom God would not prefer to be in authority, uh, he allows to be in authority. And so that line, uh, so that they may exercise without offense the sovereignty that you have given them. So uh, authority, sovereignty is given to each of us, given to figures um, in power, given to authority figures uh, by the will, whether perfect or permissive will of God. This is a great reminder to authority figures everywhere that uh, positions of authority are... I don't know if I want to say gifts, but granted, allowed, permitted by God. And they're really um, positions of, of servant leadership. So Christ famously says to the apostles on Holy Thursday as he washes their feet, I came not to be served, but to serve. And he bids them do the same. So the, the first apostles, the first bishops of the church, uh, the first leaders of the church are, are called to this position of authority, which is really a position of um, servant leadership. Uh, they are entrusted with these people whom they serve and lead and guide. It's a vocation, like all other vocations, and it's made to operate. So authority is made to operate in accord with right reason and the good. And as we can see today and we can see throughout history, uh, positions of authority are are often very tough. You know, we're placed, uh, we're given these responsibilities, these difficulties, um, these decisions to be made, and it's not always easy breezy. Um, and so we should pray for our leaders as, as we read here from Pope St. Clement. Just like Dan and I will be accountable for to God for how we raised our children, um, these little lives entrusted to us, leader, world leaders, local leaders, all those in positions of authority will be held accountable by God for how they used this position, um, how they lived out their vocation as leaders. And so uh, we should pray for them, whether we like these leaders or not. Uh, we should pray for, for each and every one of our leaders that, that God gives them the grace and that they respond to that grace to lead us well. Paragraph 1901 goes on to say, The diversity of political regimes is morally acceptable, provided they serve the legitimate good of the communities that adopt them. So the diversity of political regimes is morally acceptable. So God's not a Democrat or a Republican pro-monarchy or anti-monarchy, etc. He is for the common good. He is, as paragraph 1902 goes on to say, for a moral force based on freedom and a sense of responsibility. Laws are good and just when they accord with right reason and when they support the natural law, the public order, the fundamental rights of persons. So paragraph 1902 goes on to say, a human law has the character of law to the extent that it accords with right reason and thus derives from the eternal law. Insofar as it falls short of right reason, it is said to be an unjust law and thus has not so much the nature of law as a kind as of a kind of violence. So again, not uh, God's not, you know, 
one side of the political aisle or the other, but he's concerned for and wants authority figures to be concerned for each and every human life entrusted to that person or that group of persons, um, affording them an opportunity to live, afford each of us an opportunity to live our lives well, to live up to the, the goal, the end, the purpose of our humanity, which is coming to know the truth and choose the good. In the midst of some election when I was at Steubenville, someone said to me um, that the way she voted, and maybe perhaps she had heard this from someone else, the way she voted was thinking of all the issues when it comes to voting and then imagining meeting the people who are affected by those votes or affected by those laws when, God willing, she got to heaven one day. So she said, you know, there, there are so many issues when it comes to voting. You know, we're voting for candidates who are pro-life or pro-choice, candidates who um, support immigration or don't support immigration, candidates who are more concerned with the poor, candidates who are more concerned with, um, you know, businesses, landowners, etc. So she said there's all these different types of issues, all these different, um, you know, laws or potential laws we're, we're voting for, supporting, et cetera. She said, when I, God willing, get to heaven, I'm going to meet, um, let's say, these little babies who were denied life because of, you know, pro-choice laws or pro-abortion laws. I'm going to meet um, people from other countries who tried to get into the United States and were either able to or not able to based on, you know, how I voted, et cetera. So she said, you know, when I vote, I, I think about all those lives, and for me, um, I, I can't imagine voting for someone who would deny those precious little babies the their inherent right to life. And so she, you know, always voted for the candidate, even if she disagreed with the other issues. Always voted for the candidate who supported life from the moment of conception. And that was so striking to me. And it might seem overly simplistic, but um, the truth is we will encounter um, all the people whose lives were affected by how we voted and lived what we said and didn't say, what we did and didn't do. Um, You know, as Jesus says in the scriptures, what you did for one of the least of these you did for me. And so that has really, that really impacted um, the way that I, I started voting from there on out. And um, again, might be overly simplistic, but I think is, is a really good, good rule of thumb. Um, every little life is a life and deserves to see the light of day. And um, I, I vote accordingly. When I was at this this wedding this past weekend, it was it was a very diverse group. My friend Anne um, is just a wonderful woman. Really, really loves loves deeply all those whom she meets, and as a result, is loved by by many different people. So, I, I said to I came home and said to Dan, I think this was the most diverse group um, of which I was ever a part. So, all different races were represented, different sexual orientations, different religions. Um, but the one thing that was was not diverse was was the political climate. And so I, I said to Dan, I said, as the token conservative at this wedding, like I I was the diversity hire. I was the DEI person at, you know, among this group. Um, and so when it comes to voting, when it comes to uh, our role in picking people in positions of authority, um, that's between each of us and the Lord. And the church will never, the church never should tell us specifically for whom we should vote, um, but guides us 
to vote according to our faith, uh, according to knowing the truth, right reason, and choosing the good for each and every member of society. As we think about the common good, the the Catechism gives us a good definition and then spells out three essential elements. So paragraph 1906 says, By common good is to be understood the sum total of social conditions which allow people either as groups or as individuals to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily. The common good concerns the life of all. It calls for prudence from each and even more from those who exercise the office of authority. It consists of three essential elements. So the common good is the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups or individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and easily. Basically, those in positions of authority should be voting for, enacting laws, helping to set up society in a way such that individuals and groups are able to um, know the truth, choose the good, and live well. Uh, each and every each and every one of us should be able to live well our humanity to achieve the the goal or the end, uh, which is happiness. Not just like, hey, my life is easy and I feel happy, but um, to to achieve the the happiness for which we were created. Paragraphs 1907 through 1909 then spell out those three essential elements. So first, the common good presupposes respect for the person as such. Public authorities are bound to respect the fundamental and inalienable rights of the human person. Society should permit each of its members to fulfill his vocation. Um, so so the, the common good includes respecting the human person and his or her inalienable rights. Secondly, the common good requires the social well-being and development of the group itself. It is the proper function of authority to arbitrate okay, between different um, desires, demands, etc. But it should make accessible to each what is needed to lead a truly human life. Food, clothing, health, work, education and culture, suitable information, the right to establish a family, etc. Lastly, then, the common good requires peace. That is the stability and security of a just order. So if we're constantly in a state of flux, fearing for, you know, our lives not being able to find food and drink and, you know, stable housing, etc., then that uh, society is not operating for the common good. So as we think about uh, authority, we think about striving for the common good. We have a couple, a couple good essential elements spelled out for us here. And then I just want to end with um, this line from paragraph 1912, which says, The order of things must be so subordinate to the order of persons and not the other way around. Okay, so things always come after people. And so we pray for all those in positions of authority, uh, positions of authority that affect us directly or maybe indirectly and, and at a global level. We pray, Lord, that you will bless each of our leaders, help um, him and her, each of them, come to know the truth and choose the good personally and choose that for all those entrusted to their care. Uh, we thank you for, again, loving us, having a plan for us, and leading us uh, to the, the ultimate purpose and goal of our humanity, which is happiness in this life and the next. May your will be done in and through each and every one of us, and may each and every member of society um, be protected and guided and allowed to, permitted to uh, live out and, and wield uh, our inalienable rights. We offer this up in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, we'll take a brief break, return on the second side to read paragraphs 1897 through 1927. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi, and welcome back. We'll now read Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraphs 1897 through 1927. Article 2, Participation in Social Life. Authority. Human society can be neither well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has some people invested with legitimate authority to preserve its institutions and to devote themselves as far as is necessary to work and care for the good of all. By authority, one means the quality by virtue of which persons or institutions make laws and give orders to men and expect obedience from them. Every human community needs an authority to govern it. The foundation of such authority lies in human nature. It is necessary for the unity of the state. Its role is to ensure as far as possible the common good of the society. The authority required by the moral order derives from God. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, he who resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. The duty of obedience requires all to give due honor to authority and to treat those who are charged to exercise it with respect, and insofar as it is deserved, with gratitude and goodwill. Pope St. Clement of Rome provides the Church's most ancient prayer for political authorities. Grant to them, Lord, health, peace, concord, and stability, so that they may exercise without offense the sovereignty that you have given them. Master, heavenly King of the ages, you give glory, honor, and power over the things of earth to the sons of men. Direct, Lord, their counsel, following what is pleasing and acceptable in your sight so that by exercising with devotion and in peace and gentleness the power that you have given to them, they may find favor with you. If authority belongs to the order established by God, the choice of the political regime and the appointment of rulers are left to the free decision of the citizens. The diversity of political regimes is morally acceptable, provided they serve the legitimate good of the communities that adopt them. Regimes whose nature is contrary to the natural law to the public order, and to the fundamental rights of persons, cannot achieve the common good of the nations on which they have been imposed. Authority does not derive its moral legitimacy from itself. It must not behave in a despotic manner, but must act for the common good as a moral force based on freedom and a sense of responsibility. A human law has the character of law to the extent that it accords with right reason, and thus derives from the eternal law. Insofar as it falls short of right reason, it is said to be an unjust law, and thus has not so much the nature of law as of a kind of violence. Authority is exercised legitimately only when it seeks the common good of the group concerned, and if it employs morally licit means to attain it. If rulers were to enact unjust laws or take measures contrary to the moral order, such arrangements would not be binding in conscience. In such a case, authority breaks down completely and results in shameful abuse. It is preferable that each power be balanced by other powers and by other spheres of responsibility which keep it within proper bounds. This is the principle of the rule of law in which the law is sovereign and not the arbitrary will of men. The common good. 
In keeping with the social nature of man, the good of each individual is necessarily necessarily related to the common good, which in turn can be defined only in reference to the human person. Do not live entirely isolated, having retreated into yourselves, as if you were already justified, but gather instead to seek the common good together. By common good is to be understood the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups or as individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily. The common good concerns the life of all. It calls for prudence from each, and even more from those who exercise the office of authority. It consists of three essential elements. First, the common good presupposes respect for the person as such. In the name of the common good, public authorities are bound to respect the fundamental and inalienable rights of the human person. Society should permit each of its members to fulfill his vocation. In particular, the common good resides in the conditions for the exercise of the natural freedoms indispensable for the development of the human vocation, such as the right to act according to a sound norm of conscience and to safeguard privacy and rightful freedom also in matters of religion. Second, the common good requires the social well-being and development of the group itself. Development is the epitome of all social duties. Certainly, it is the proper function of authority to arbitrate, in the name of the common good, between various particular interests. But it should make accessible to each what is needed to lead a truly human life. Food, clothing, health, work, education and culture, suitable information, the right to establish a family, and so on. Finally, the common good requires peace, that is, the stability and security of a just order. It presupposes that authority should ensure by morally acceptable means the security of society and its members. It is the basis of the right to legitimate personal and collective defense. Each human community possesses a common good which permits it to be recognized as such. It is in the political community that its most complete realization is found. It is the role of the state to defend and promote the common good of civil society, its citizens, and intermediate bodies. Human interdependence is increasing and gradually spreading throughout the world. The unity of the human family, embracing people who enjoy equal, natural dignity, implies a universal common good. This good calls for an organization of the community of nations able to provide for the different needs of then. This will involve the sphere of social life to which belong questions of food, hygiene, education, and certain situations arising here and there, as, for example, alleviating the the miseries of refugees dispersed throughout the world and assisting migrants and their families. The common good is always oriented towards the progress of persons. The order of things must be subordinate to the order of persons and not the other way around. This order is founded on truth, built up in justice, and animated by love. Responsibility and Participation Participation is the voluntary and generous engagement of a person in social interchange. It is necessary that all participate, each according to his position and role, in promoting the common good. This obligation is inherent in the dignity of the human person. Participation is achieved, first of all, by taking charge of the areas for which one assumes personal responsibility, by the care taken for the education of his family, by conscientious work, and so forth, man participates in the good of others and of society. As far as possible, citizens should take an active part in public life. The manner of this participation may vary from one country or culture to another. 
One must pay tribute to those nations whose systems permit the largest possible number of the citizens to take part in public life in a climate of genuine freedom. As with any ethical obligation, the participation of all in realizing the common good calls for a continually renewed conversion of the social partners. Fraud and other subterfuges, by which some people evade the constraints of the law and the prescriptions of societal obligation, must be firmly condemned because they are incompatible with the requirements of justice. Much care should be taken to promote institutions that improve the conditions of human life. It is incumbent on those who exercise authority to strengthen the values that inspire the confidence of the members of the group and encourage them to put themselves at the service of others. Participation begins with education and culture. One is entitled to think that the future of humanity is in the hands of those who are capable of providing the generations to come with reasons for life and optimism. In brief, there is no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Every human community needs an authority in order to endure and develop. The political community and public authority are based on human nature and therefore belong to an order established by God. Authority is exercised legitimately if it is committed to the common good of society. To attain this, it must employ morally acceptable means. The diversity of political regimes is legitimate, provided they contribute to the good of the community. Political authority must be exercised within the limits of the moral order and must guarantee the conditions for the exercise of freedom. The common good comprises the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups or as individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily. The common good consists of three essential elements, respect for and promotion of the fundamental rights of the person, prosperity or the development of the spiritual and temporal goods of society, the peace and security of the group and of its members. The dignity of the human person requires the pursuit of the common good. Everyone should be concerned to create and support institutions that improve the conditions of human life. It is the role of the state to defend and promote the common good of civil society. The common good of the whole human family calls for an organization of society on the international level. This brings us to the end of our reading selection, the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me for another week. Between this week and next week's episode, please connect with me on Instagram at Catholic Light Podcast and on Facebook under Rebecca Doherty. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. And in the meantime, God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends. And connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you.